Today, I'm thinking about chickens and eagles. There's a, a beautiful story about a baby eagle who gets lost and ends up in a farm being adopted by chickens. So the eagle grows up as a chicken. It grows up and it doesn't fly. All it does is walk around pecking at the ground, eating bugs or grubs or whatever chickens eat. One day, a bird expert goes to the farm and notices the eagle. He tells the farmer that he's got an eagle in there with the chickens. And the farmer says, Oh, that eagle won't go anywhere. It thinks it's a chicken. So the bird expert buys the eagle from the farmer and takes it to the top of a cliff. And after a few attempts, the eagle finds its wings and flies off, never to come back. And that's who we are. We are the eagle that's walking around, pecking at the ground, stuck, living like chickens because we have not found our wings. We have not found our full potential. God has something much better for us. There's a banquet prepared for us and we're invited, but instead we're so hungry that we're stuck in the back alley eating out of the dumpster. We are the prodigal son, longing to fill our stomachs with the food of the pigs, when instead we can just get up and go home and eat the pig. This is what this weekend's readings remind us of. There is something better. The best is yet to come. We have to live, not with the hope that eternal life is better, but with the certainty that eternal life is better. If we really believe that, how different would our lives be? How differently would we behave? That's the promise, and we have to believe it because no eye has seen and no ear has heard what God has promised to those who love Him. It's going to be great, and we need to keep our eyes on that. Remember, God is the God not of the dead, but of the living. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. First off, we begin by giving away a copy of last week's featured artist, Steve Grisano's new album, A New Day. And the CD goes to Michelle Shaken of London, Ontario. Congratulations, Michelle. We'll be contacting you shortly to send you your copy of Steve Grisano's A New Day. Also, congratulations to some of our previous winners, Roger Sharp of Linden, Michigan, who won a copy of Jacob and Matthew Band's Trust, John Davis of Vancouver, Washington, who won a copy of the Dominican Sisters' Mater Eucharistie, and Nathan Coe of Markham, Ontario, who won a copy of Audrey Assad's Heart. Congratulations, all, and for the rest of you who would like to win a prize, just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and enter your name and email address for a chance to win. You can also write nice things about us at facebook.com slash slradio1, and we'll make sure that you get entered into our weekly draw. Today, Sister Marie Paul Curley returns to talk uh, to us about some uh, heavy-duty dramas about hope. And that's in about 15 minutes. And in our second half hour, we'll be speaking with Mark Shea. He's the author of a new book titled, By What Authority? Um, He's a convert to Catholicism, and he writes about the defense for tradition. So that should be interesting. And uh, our featured artist of the week is a new young singer-songwriter from Pennsylvania. His name is Joe Morales. And we'll be talking with him at the end of the program. But we begin, as we always do, with one of his songs. Here is Joe Morales with Daylight from his album, Under the Sun. You are the daylight, you 
with Daylight from his album Under the Sun and we're going to be speaking with Joe in our second half hour and in about 10 minutes Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley but first Alicia is here with our news I am I've got all of this week's goings on in the Vatican and beyond so first up the Synod Preparatory Document we all know by now that there is an extraordinary Synod on the family being held in October 2014 at the Vatican. Now, in preparation for that, the Synod of Bishops got together and put together a, a preparatory working document, uh-huh. their first draft of the issues they're going to look at. They sent this document out to all of the bishops' conferences around the world, mm-hmm. along with nine questions and a letter from the head of the Synod of Bishops saying, take this prep document and these nine questions and distribute it to all your dioceses, all your deaneries, and all your parishes. We want as much local input as possible. And specifically, this letter said, we want feedback from clerics and faithful. Okay, so wait, just let me stop. Is this unusual for a synod to be getting, like, sending out a questionnaire? This is the first time we have seen this. 
Interesting. I've been doing some research, and what I've dug up is that popes have in the past consulted bishops' conferences in advance of releasing new doctrine, new dogmatic statements. Uh -huh. So before the um, Immaculate Conception was declared a dogma and the yes, Assumption, yes, consultation yes, was yes, done. Yes. But for a synod, interesting, no. interesting, and much less at that level, at that like local level. Right. So the UK bishops got kind of excited, and they took those questions and they made an online survey out interesting. of it. Interesting. Which is. A unique approach. Yeah. Why not? Their country, their island is of a size, their region is of a size yes. where they can do that. Um, that might not be the best approach for all countries, and it, it kind of still remains to be seen. What the Vatican yeah, I haven't about received that. my copy of the questionnaire yet. You will be. Okay. I literally just got confirmation from the Canadian bishops uh -huh. saying that this document will be distributed to all bishops to be distributed to the deaneries and to the parish level. Oh, very good. So, coming soon to you. Now, each diocese might decide to do it in a different way. Uh -huh. They might, who knows, they might decide to create a, a, a kind of a representative group mm -hmm. from across, you know, different... Different parishes different or parishes. different areas. So, we don't know exactly how each diocese will want yeah, to do that consultation, but expect it. Okay, and then, good. in a press conference, though, the head of the bishop's conference, sorry, the head of the Synod of Bishops and the uh, Relator General for this Synod said, uh -huh. you can read that document on the Synod of Bishops website and send your feedback right. directly to the okay. Synod of Bishops office. Okay, now have we posted that document on our website? We yep. have. Okay, we good. have. So, so it's Salt on, and our, on blog. our blog, saltandlighttv.org slash blog. Good. Now, those of you listening to us in the U.S., Rochester, New York has a new bishop, Yay. Salvatore Matano. Mm -hmm. He was previously Bishop of Burlington, Vermont, and Rochester is rejoicing because that see was vacant for about a year. Uh -huh. The previous bishop retired, reached 75, retired, and they've been waiting a long time. Stuff has happened in that last yes. year, <laughs> which is kind of why there was a delay in, in getting a new bishop. Yeah, we have a new pope. Yeah. Yes. Moving north to Winnipeg. A new museum is about to open in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. It is the Human Rights Museum. Oh, finally. Yes. That's been coming for a while. For quite a while. Yes. It is set to open in September 2014. And, yeah, there will be... <laughs> <laughs> but it's coming, it's coming, it's finally. Coming. Yeah, next year. <laughs> so there will be different galleries within this museum. One of them will focus on the genocides mm -hmm. that Canada recognizes mm -hmm. officially. Uh, one will focus on Canadian human rights, yeah, so Canada's involvement. There is a little bit of controversy. Some people see it as a waste of taxpayers' money. Mm -hmm. Some people see the building as an eyesore. Mm -hmm. um, and some people take objection to which genocides are presented and how, of yeah. course. But the executives at the museum say, well, you know what? That's exactly the point of this museum is to get people, people talking. thinking and mm -hmm. talking Good. about human rights. And then finally, one last thing, making the rounds this week, a letter was sent to... U.S. bishops by the nuncio about Medjugorje mm. is really nothing substantially new, but it's making rounds because there's been no official decision yet by the Vatican on this. So the letter that was sent, um, because one of the alleged visionaries from Medjugorje lives part-time in the U.S., mm -hmm. and he was about to embark on a cross-U.S kind of speaking tour, and it was presumed that he would be having apparitions during mm -hmm. his um, 
public engagements. Yeah, Mary was going on tour with him. Yeah, as she does. Yes. Um, the nuncio reminded the bishops of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith of uh, their previous decision that we really should not be participating in anything that presupposes or that takes for granted that these apparitions are legitimate simply because it's under review. So mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of hoopla going on. What does this mean? Does it mean the Vatican is going to come out ru rule negatively and decide yeah. that it's not authentic? Um, but the thing to underline, and that's why I want to work it in, even though I'm using up your airtime, is that it's really just keeping in line with the fact that because there has been no final decision, yeah. we can't assume yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've been waiting for a decision for a, a long time now. So hopefully that'll that'll keep coming. Although as long as operations continue to happen, if they're happening, mm -hmm. the decision might not come. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. Alicia. You're very welcome. Alicia Ambrosio, our news producer. Be sure to watch Alicia every week on Vatican Connections. You can watch it on demand at saltandlighttv.org. And you can also follow her at, at VatiConnections. Hi, I'm Steve Angrisano, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my friend Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me at deaconpedro.com and also on Facebook. Just search for Deacon Pedro. And my Twitter handle is at deaconpedrogm. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Hi, Andrew. Deacon Pedro. How's it going? Very good. Very good. Thank you. So who's our saint this week? Uh, we're going to look at St. Josephat. Jo Josephat. I have not heard of this saint. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a saint whose name I have heard about, but uh, again, uh, there are so many holy men and women in the church that yes. it's, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly learning about a new one or, or catching up and finding out about someone who's been canonized for Yeah, yeah, so tell us about Joseph For Josephat. ages and ages. Okay, Josephat, uh, Josephat um, is one of those kinds of like figures in history caught in a web of controversy. Um, so he was caught in a battle between Catholic and Orthodox, um, Latin and Byzantine, and found himself mm -hmm. criticized and... Uh, really opposed on every side by the Orthodox community for being Catholic and by the Latins for being Byzantine. Right. The worst thing is kind of getting stuck in the middle of something. Um, he held firmly to Catholic unity against the Orthodox and just as firmly to Byzantine rights against the Latins. Uh -huh. So at that period of history, uh, Deacon Pedro, it was a no-win situation, and he is the great martyr to the cause of unity. Uh -huh. So I guess he's somebody that we look to um, you know, when we celebrate Christian unity, I guess, in January. Right. Uh, so St. Josephat was born in Lithuania uh, in the year 1580 into a Catholic family and was early, and early promoted Catholic unity in a country that was, we know, divided between Orthodox and Catholic. Uh, he entered the Byzantine Monastery of Holy Trinity in Vilna in the year 1604 and was elected the Catholic Archbishop of Polotsk in 1614. Right. Now, while clinging firmly to unity with Rome, uh, he firmly opposed uh, the Latins, who um, saw unity only in Latin terms and would suppress Byzantine traditions um, in the name of Catholic unity. Mm -hmm. He firmly opposed the, I guess you would want to call it the Latinization of his people, and made enemies, as well as some severe critics among the Latin clergy of Poland. Right. So politically, the Catholic and Orthodox clergy were rivals in Lithuania, and the Archbishop of Polotsk was one of the contested sees. Mm -hmm. So um, an Orthodox Archbishop of Polotsk was appointed, and Josephat, um, this is where we bring in Josephat, he was accused of taking office invalidly. Okay. So many of his Byzantine Catholics were 
um, won over to allegiance to orthodoxy. Even the king of Poland, back then in the day, wavered in his support of Josephat, mm-hmm. um, especially when Polish bis- bishops accused him of betraying his faith by not Latinizing his diocese. Right. So um, one of the hotbeds of trouble in Josephat's diocese, with him being his bishop, was um, Witebsk. And in November of 1623, he went there to the city of Witebsk uh, to bring about peace in his flock. Uh-huh. And he did that by preaching in the churches and really trying to reach out and reconcile differences. Uh-huh. So on November the 12th of that year, 1623, a mob broke into the house where he was staying, uh, shouting hatred and violence. And when he confronted them, when Joseph had confronted them, he was struck in the head with a halberd and he was mm. shot. Wow. So his mangled body was uh, dragged out and thrown into the river. And uh, he was canonized uh, by, Pope Bi- by Pope Pius in 1867. Uh-huh. So... Um, you know, we look at his life, uh, born 1580, died 1623. Um, so really, he didn't have that long no. of a life, but uh, he was very caught up in, in I guess, trying to promote uh, Christian unity. And look where that got him, unfortunately. Well, that, that still doesn't mean we shouldn't continue promoting Christian unity. Um, no, yeah. but y- you know what? It, it, it's very important. Um, I find that the week of prayer for Christian unity in the church, usually yes. in January, I think. Second week in January. Um, that's one of the most important weeks. Yes, for us absolutely. Because um, you know this Pope, Pope Francis, I think he he's really, really trying to reach out to to people of all faith and uh, people who have no faith and are still discovering. And I think that's really important. Okay, so good. So Saint Josephat could Saint be Saint Josephat. We celebrate his feast day, Deacon Pedro, on Tuesday, November, November the twelfth. November the twelfth. Good. So uh, maybe maybe a, a saint to pray for for Christian unity. Perfect. Thank Excellent. you very much, Andrew. That was Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Hi, this is Jackie Francois, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash slradio1, and be sure to like our page. Also, stay connected with your name and email address at saltandlighttv.org slash radio for a chance to win cool music prizes. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Pedro. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. What or who, who is your favorite superhero? Oh, my goodness, my favorite. You know what? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Batman mm. because he he's, he's doesn't have any superpowers. Yeah. He's just resourceful. Okay. And, and troubled. And troubled, yes. There you go. That's key. That's key. Yes. And actually, um, Batman is a good one. My favorite is Superman and has been for years. Really? Um, yeah. And so, of course, I was really eager g- to see Man of Steel. Uh-huh. Um, yes. And I have to say, I enjoyed about 75% of the film yes. so much. Like, it's so well cast. The characters are so well written, and the actors are such great performers. Like, uh-huh. I want to see these characters in the next film. And, uh, I mean, I could go on and on about the cast. And the special effects, too, are brilliant. They're really, really well done. But I think um, what impresses most people, and it certainly impressed me when I saw Man of Steel, is that the, is the gritty tone. You know, we're really focusing in a bit more on Superman's loneliness and struggles. And I think this grittier version of Superman makes him even more appealing and his choices more heroic. Um, 
he continues to be my favorite superhero because uh, he is, in a way, a Christ figure for our popular culture. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's easy to see that spiritual layer of meaning for a lot of people. Um, and I think oftentimes filmmakers intentionally include it in the films. Uh, there's a lot of superficial superficial parallels, but you know some of the big reasons, of course, are that he was sent to Earth to help humanity discover their you know their true calling, their dignity, um, to offer hope. Um, in his screen versions, anyway, I don't know much about the comic book version, but in his uh-huh. screen versions, um, although Superman fights, his isn't a story about violence, um, but about doing the right thing. Yes. And so it's his self-sacrificing love that makes you know, Superman a Christ figure for me. So in this film, the moral strength of Clark Kent uh, comes not only from his Kryptonian heritage, Russell Crowe is an awesome Jarrell, uh-huh. um, but particularly from being raised by his earthly parents. Right. Jonathan and Martha Kent also brilliantly portrayed. So mm-hmm. this is very much a father-son film, as we see you know, Superman's relationship develop with both of his fathers. However, without, I don't want to give away any spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but at the end of the film, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the way-too-long and repetitive super fight between Superman yeah. and Supervillain, Superman makes a moral choice that I found hugely disappointing. Um, I feel that it really contradicts you know, Superman's true nature and uh, his, you know, even his calling. And I don't know whether to say it's, you know, poor writing, you know, that Superman couldn't come up with another alternative, um, you know, to the choices he was faced with. Um, but I, it's it's even a bit of a predictable ending. And so it kind of spoiled, you know, a good part of the movie for me. But it's got strong action. It gets these characters brilliantly. The tone of the approach to Superman is great. So I'm hoping that the next Superman movie, for I'm hoping there will be one, um, will be Don't we have enough it. already? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure it's in the works. Yes. Um, will, you know, reflect Superman's, you know, true nature better. Okay, good. And you have a second superhero movie? Um, no, I don't, actually. But it is another film about hope. Uh, Terrence Malick's film to the wonder recently uh-huh. released to dvd and if if you saw malik's the tree of life uh you'll have a good idea of the cinematic journey into art and human nature that malik takes us on um his style in these two films is cinematic impressionism so it's not a movie to sit back and just you're going on this fantastic super mm-hmm. effects action-driven ride not at all it couldn't be more different than man of steel um more it is taking us into just a few points of the characters lives and bringing us so close that you you really feel like you're living those characters lives so it's a love story Mm -hmm. um and it does have a narrative tension that you know drives the film forward but it's not so much about this one love story um as it is about the story of love um and, and love in the broadest sense. You know, in a way, it reminds me a little bit of Pope Benedict's encyclical, God is Love. Really? Um, and you could even say it's a cinematic version of 1 Corinthians 13. You know, it's really? a canticle of praise about the gift of love, but it also talks about what love is not. It's not jealousy. It's not lust. Huh. It, love can't be reduced into something very small. Um, and yet underpinning the whole film is how we all yearn to love and be loved. And, the, you know, that love forever changes us. Right. So um, I would say this is a film for a mature audience, for married couples, for people called to the vocation of marriage. Really, if somebody's studying TOB, you know, Theology of the Body, for anybody who's interested in exploring the meaning of love. It's just, it's, it's a brilliant film, um, a brilliant film. So Man of Steel, um, really for older kids and adults um, due to the, you know, violence. 
um, and To the Wonder, okay. really a more meditative film. Two films that couldn't be more different. Interesting, um, but, but To both the Wonder, hopeful. a meditative film for adults really interested in exploring. Um, you know, what is love? What is really, what is love all about? Okay, good. I like that. I, I have not seen To the Wonder, but you've made me want to go see it with my wife. So, <laughs> so that's good. Great. Um, thank you very much. Uh, Man of Steel and To the Wonder. Sister Marie Paul uh, is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and you can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Hi, this is Michael Paul from the Jacob and Matthew Band. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can podcast our show for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where you can now listen to Christian music live all day long at that same web address. Just click on the Listen Live link. And here now is Sheridan with some hello, updates. Hello. hello. Advent is around the corner. Can you believe it? No, I cannot. I it's amazing. Well, this is usually a great time to go to confession. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, all in the light of you know, preparing the way for the Lord. Yes. So getting reconciled is the first mm -hmm. step. The Archdiocese of Toronto is having a day of confessions on December the 11th throughout the diocese. And I'm sure that this is a similar initiatives are underway in, in you know, yes. local dioceses. So check out your local diocese listings to see what's going on in your neighborhood because this is the time to be reconciled. And if you're in the Toronto area, check out archtoronto.org. Right. And then following Advent, of course, we have Christmas. Yes. So in preparation for Christmas, we used to have our annual Christmas concert. Salt and Light is having a, um, a concert called Venite Adoremos yes. at the magnificent Kerner Hall in downtown Toronto. Join us for what promises to be a wonderful Christmas celebration. Yes. That's Tuesday, December the 3rd. 2013, Kerner Hall at the Royal Conservatory of Music at 273 um, Blue Street West, Toronto. So that's downtown Toronto. Doors open at 7, concert at 8, and tickets start at $35. Yes, and that's our big annual fundraiser. It's our second annual big Venite Adoremos fundraising concert. So that should be a, a, a beautiful evening. It will be. And you can visit saltandlighttv.org for more. Now, Catholic Christian Outreach is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Wow. Yes, congratulations wow, to them yes. for reaching this amazing milestone. For those of you who are unfamiliar with uh, Catholic Christian Outreach, they're university campus missionaries, and basically their whole goal is to minister to university students at this time when, you know, often you lose your faith. It's this uh -huh. critical point in your faith journey. And I know for myself, that's where that was the time period when I both lost my faith Really? And regained it. Really? And uh, I think university can be very isolating. It can be a time when you're exposed to so many new worldviews, new ways of thinking of yeah. things. And you need support during that time to be able to not only question your faith, but to become stronger and to have community and friendship mm -hmm. as you go through this, this very challenging yeah. time in your life. So again, um, you know, many people will know them through the Rise Up conferences, which are of also course, fantastic. Of course, their annual conference, yeah, the yeah. New Year's Eve conference. And uh, if you want to find out more about CCO, you can visit their website at cco.ca, or if you want to check out one of their Rise Up conferences, check out cco.ca/riseup. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we love CCO. They're good friends, friends of ours. I know a lot of people at CCO, and it's maybe uh, important to point out that they're not. They're not like a university chaplaincy. They are literally missionaries yeah. that are out there 
casting the net out, Duke in Altum, yeah. and, 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 and drawing it out for a catch. So uh, if you come across CCO in any of the universities in Canada that you might be at. And you know, they just launched into University of Victoria. Oh, good. UVic. Yeah. Nice. Good. So yeah, they're, they're 25 years of, of great work, and now they're, I think, in most if not the majority of universities across Canada. Yeah, for sure. So look them up, Catholic Christian Outreach. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Sheridan. (laughs) Getting ready for Advent already. Uh, Coming up in our second half hour, scripture or tradition? And a featured chat with singer-songwriter Joe Morales. So don't go anywhere. Salt and Light is proud to present Venite Adoremos 2013, a Christmas concert featuring the masterworks of Oakville, performing Bach and Rutter's Magnificats. Join us for Venite Adoremos on Tuesday, December 3rd at Toronto's Kerner Hall. For tickets or more information, contact the Kerner Hall box office or visit us at saltandlighttv.org. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. There have been many, many books written about evangelicals who've converted to Catholicism, and I find all these stories very interesting because they all give very real reasons why Catholicism makes sense. But there aren't many of these who present stronger arguments for the central role in sacred tradition and divine revelation than a new book called By What Authority by Mark Shea. Um, As an evangelical, Uh, Mark Shea subscribed to the notion of scripture alone, sola scriptura, and that is, that means that everything we need to know is found in the Bible. But as a Catholic, Mark discovered the place that sacred tradition has, and to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Mark Shea. Mark, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. Glad to be here. So this is the question uh, that I ask every convert I know. What attracted you to the Catholic Church? Oh, golly. Well, in, um, in, in two <laughs> sentences or less. Yes. Uh, lots of things. Uh, it, it winds up sort of like being the, the spokes on a wheel, you know? Uh-huh. Every, it's not that one thing uh, attracted me, it's like so many things attracted me. You know? Okay. Uh, the, so, uh, the truth of the faith, the, 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 the common sense of it, uh, the uh-huh. church's teaching on so many things, the beauty of it, uh, attractive, the saints are attractive. Was the Church's view on Scripture part of what attracted you to the Catholic Church? Well, not initially. Uh, Initially, I was like most evangelicals. I just assumed that sacred tradition was one of those things that Catholics uh, came up with as a way of excusing weird things that they believed that you couldn't find in the Bible. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, like purgatory and... Uh, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, yeah, Saints, so the questions yeah. would be things like, well, you know, show me the word purgatory in the Bible. <laughs> and that works really good until you realize that the word Bible isn't in the Bible yeah, either. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, then you start realizing, well, of course, you know, over time, what the Church will do as different questions arise is the, the Church is going to... Uh, come up with its own vocabulary to try and explain ideas that are there in Scripture, but the the apostles 
we're not writing the big book of everything. Uh, you know, so there's going to be work for the church to do. You know, the classic example of this is is the church's own formulation of the doctrine of the Trinity, uh-huh. uh, right. which took place, you know, about three centuries after the time of the apostles. Right, and if you read scripture, you can actually see it evolving, that notion of the Trinity. Right, yeah. Um, you know, as a, a priest friend of mine once said that, you know, revelation is not like deriving the answer to a math problem. Revelation is like falling in love. Yeah. You know, so yes. you're walking down the street, minding your own business. You didn't get up that day and say, today at 3, 3.15, I'm going to meet the woman who's going to change my life forever. Right. And she's going to look like this, and she'll act like that, and she'll say this. Uh, instead, you're minding your own business, going shopping, and suddenly you turn a corner, and, and you, yeah. there she is. You trip, yeah. Revealed <laughs> to you. And exactly the same thing happens with the apostles. The, when, uh, when the revelation happens, the apostles aren't expecting it. No. They don't get it a lot of times, you know, they're not, they're not following it. It isn't until later that the Church looks at the events of Christ's life and says, oh, okay, it was staring me in the face the whole time and we didn't see it. You know? Well, one of the, one of the uh, explanations that I've always, uh, or that has made sense to me, and I love the fact that you said that it, the, church, the Catholic teaching makes sense, um, is that it's the, the ch- Jesus founded the Church and the Church gave us the Scriptures as, right. as we know them, and not yeah. the other way around. And, and that was the first realization for me, was uh-huh. that, uh, that you know, how do we know which books belong in the Bible? Uh-huh. Well, you know, there's one page in the Bible, at least, that we know is not inspired. It's called the Table of Contents. <laughs> uh, and yet, you know, as evangelicals, we agreed with Catholics on what books belonged in the New Testament, but yeah. what you know, what was striking to me was to discover that Martin Luther didn't agree with us evangelicals or with Catholics uh-huh. on what books belonged in the New Testament. He wanted to get rid of uh, James and Second Peter right. and the Book of Hebrews, and he wanted to get book, rid of the Book of Revelation uh-huh. with a you know an argument that I think a lot of readers of the Book of Revelation can probably empathize with. He said a revelation ought to reveal something, <laughs> and uh, yeah. You know, and he's not the first person that's had that thought cross their mind when they're reading the book of Revelation. Um, and yet, uh, we evangelicals didn't agree with him. We said he was wrong. But if you ask any evangelical, why is he wrong? Uh, getting an answer to that question would be really difficult for yeah. an evangelical, because what basis is there for deciding which books go in the Bible? Right. Right. And so what I began to look at then is, is that the only place where we're making, basically, as evangelicals, making use of Catholic sacred tradition? Uh, or are there other things? And one of the things that I began to realize, and I talk about this in the book, is that there are actually lots of places where evangelicals firmly believe, as a kind of dogmatic belief, uh, things that are not at all clear uh, from Scripture from itself. Scripture. Like what? Can you give us an example? Sure. Uh, the sanctity of human life from the moment of conception. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> scripture, you know, doesn't talk there. about this much. Yeah. And when it does, it's kind of blurry. Uh-huh. Uh, and yet, Catholics and evangelicals agree uh, that this is, uh, this is uh, the teaching of Scripture. How do they do that? Well, evangelicals do it by receiving sacred tradition from their Protestant forebears who got it from the Catholic Church. Uh-huh. Uh, what the Catholic Church does is it frankly maintains right from the start that uh, the, the, 
teaching of the apostles is handed down as Paul tells the Thessalonians uh-huh. uh, in Second yes. Thessalonians two fifteen. It's handed down whether by word of mouth or by letter. In other words, yes. whether by the tradition of the apostles or by the writings of the apostles. Right, right. And in fact, even in Scripture, it says that there's more to Scripture. I'm thinking the end of the end of the Gospel of John that many things are not recorded in this book. Right, there there are all kinds of things <laughs> says John that you know there all of course there's a lot more about Jesus that is remembered uh, and preserved in the life of the church than right. gets written down in Scripture. Right, uh, which only makes sense because you know when you actually look at the Gospels, what you get. Uh, I think I remember Benedict Rochelle mentioning that if you uh-huh. tal- if you tallied up all the different stories and accounts of Jesus in the Gospels. Basically, you get a sum total of about 100 days out of the life of Jesus. Right, yeah. And really what you're looking at in the Gospels uh, are, as one famous uh, summary of the Gospels was given by a German theologian about 100 years ago, he said that the Gospels are passion narratives with long introductions. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's I've heard that too, yes. And, now, yeah? and, and, and that really gets us back to how do we know what books belong in the Bible, which was the central question of by what authority. Mm-hmm. And the way we know what books belong in the Bible, and the reason that, for example, the New Testament is called the New Testament, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. If you had talked to uh, uh, a Christian in the first two centuries of the Church and asked him, uh, what is the New Testament? He wouldn't have pointed you to a collection of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in Greek, the New Testament, the New Diatheke, the New Covenant, it's all the yeah. same word. Uh, yeah, that has a real referent. It's called the Eucharist. Uh-huh. And so how did the New Testament get to be called the New Testament? It got to be called the New Testament because the Church said, these are the books that we read in close liturgical proximity to the New Covenant. covenant in my blood. In other words, the cup. Right. Uh, and that's re- really where the Bible came from. The Bible came from uh, the Church uh, uh, using these books in liturgy. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me something. So, th- th- this is fascinating to me, and, I, uh, and I'm sure it is to our listeners. So, your book, By What Authority, is it an uh, apologist book? Is it the story of your experience? Are you trying to convert people? Who is this book for? It's written for evangelicals and the Catholics who love them. <laughs> uh, it's written, yeah, straight out of my experience, uh, basically my own puzzling through of, of these kinds of issues, uh, and looking at the question of, uh, you know, how how do we know what books belong in the Bible? Right. Um, you know, there are various incoherent attempts. One of the things that I look at in the book are uh, uh, attempts from an evangelical perspective to answer that question without relying on sacred tradition, uh-huh. that is simply not possible. Uh, it can't be done, and I proved it nine times. <laughs> right, right, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to reading the book, and, and I hope that our listeners are too. We're going to have to leave it there, but thank you very much, Mark, for writing the book and for all the work that you do, all your writings, and uh, we hope that many more books are coming from you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Mark Shea is an award-winning columnist for the National Catholic Register and a frequent contributor to Our Sunday Visitor and other Catholic publications. His newest book, By What Authority an Evangelical Discovers Catholic Tradition, is published by Ignatius Press. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Joel Morales, with You're Still Alive. (laughs) 
this life You've got one chance to make it right You better not run and hide Give up the demons Don't quit tonight In this life You're the apple of someone's eye Smile that made it alright You've got plenty to live for Don't quit tonight Cause you never know Who might need you You never know Why you're there Coincidence I don't think so You're more than a sprinkle of dust in the air More than a smile And frown that you wear More than the car that you drive The songs that you write It's passing you by You're still alive In this life You might give up on so many dreams Fall to the floor and scream Beg for forgiveness Cause you never know who might need you You never know why you're there Coincidence, I don't think so You're more than a sprinkle of dust in the air More than the smile and the frown that you wear The songs that you write Perry is passing you by You're still alive with You're Still Alive. Recently, Salt and Light Radio heard from a young singer-songwriter from Pennsylvania, and we love meeting new Catholic artists. Joe sent us his latest album, Under the Sun, which we've been listening some songs from, and uh, we started playing it on Salt and Light Radio immediately. 
Joe's songs are thought-provoking, they're memorable, they're heartfelt, and this new album deals with topics such as loss, mercy, and redemption. And the music is very much rooted in his Catholic faith. And this is very apparent not just in the recordings, but also if you go to any of his live performances. And so I'm very pleased to welcome Joe Morales uh, to our program. Uh, Joe, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, Deacon Pedro. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's good to have you on the show. Finally, we've been talking for a couple months now, I think. Um, what was it? Uh, what was what was it like growing up in the Morales household? Um, well, I come from a family of five children. I'm the middle of five children. Um, you know, raised with a faith, obviously in the Catholic Church. Um, always some activity going on. Um, you know, I'm one of the my family probably the most musically inclined, but everyone uh-huh. probably could sing, and um, you know, at least were involved in music in some respect. So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, five children, Catholic household. So that pretty much sums it up. So your Catholic faith, of course, you learned that at home, and and the music. So it was a very musical household, would you say? Um, I'd say a few of us played instruments, um, but I think uh, myself, I grew up as a drummer. I played drummer. My parents okay. tolerated a lot of my bands <laughs> in the basement uh, <laughs> as a young guy, um, and then I kind of blossomed out of playing drums and bands and, and worked into a kind of writing my own material. Uh-huh. Um, I played secular clubs for many years um, with various bands, um, but I wouldn't say until about seven years ago um, I realized that, you know, I'm playing all these nightclubs and writing all these songs, and I didn't feel the fulfillment from the songs and playing these nightclubs. Right. And I kind of felt God pulling me and calling me and saying, hey, you know, Joe, um, I'd like to see you or, you know, you have a calling possibly for, you know, a music minister, at least to start to write songs that are more spiritually based and have more of a focus on God. Okay, but but your faith, were you strong in your faith, or did you go through, through a period there where your faith was sort of um, not super strong or you were doubting? Or oh, absolutely, yeah, not yeah. super strong. Um, I'd say through my 20s and, you know, um, into various bands that I was playing, and that was part of the reason why, and I'd be driving home two or three in the morning from playing a nightclub, and I realized, you know, something's missing in my life. You know, what is it? I grew up with a Catholic faith um, as a Christian, but, you know, I kind of strayed away from it. And, and I feel, you know, felt God calling me back to, to write songs and to, you know, kind of lead in His direction. And when you were growing up Catholic, did you not ever play at church or do any music with the church? Not really. Not really. Um, I, I think it was more of a rebellious, um, although yeah. I was Catholic, I felt re- somewhat rebellious. Um, uh-huh. And I think it wasn't until you know, a few years ago that I really you know, came back and, I'd say, and accepted my, my Catholic faith and, when you, and really right. pursued it. Okay, so, yeah, and I want to get to that, but so when you were playing nightclubs and stuff, you were, you were a drummer, or you were playing other instruments by then? Um, both. I was a drummer and playing guitar and singing. And were you songwriting? Uh, yeah, I was. But my my music wasn't spiritual, it wasn't, you know, Christian, I'd say, more secular. Right. Um, when did you start so, writing songs? Um, I started writing songs uh, in my early, you know, late 20s, early 20s. Okay. okay. And so so would you say that there was a moment where 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 things changed, or was it more of a gradual change that you felt this pull... Oh, that you were not satisfied and you felt a pull towards a more faith to sort of strengthen your faith? Um, absolutely. I was working on a solo record, um, I guess, back in 2001, and I had written some songs that, you know, like titles like Anything is Possible, um, 
Hmm. And it's a song about, you know, that anything was possible in life, that, you know, you go through situations and challenges and that you can come through them. And I started to realize that I'm starting to write more positive songs. Uh-huh. And someone said to me that, you know, anything is possible sounds almost like a Christian song. Huh. Sounds almost like it's spiritually based. And, and I started, started to think about it. So I would say it was a gradual process, but, you know, that was around the time that I started writing songs and realizing, hey, there's something here that, um, you know, that I have, you know, a strength for or a willingness to do. So, so but what was happening in, te- in your interior spiritual life in terms of being drawn back to the church? Or I think that, I, like I said before, I was playing secular nightclubs. There was an emptiness, um, a lack of fulfillment. Um, but was there even, a... you know, we had our, our first child, my wife and I, okay. um, around this time. Right. And I think that with her baptism and her communion, I think that it re- I realized that, you know, I, I, there was something missing in my life, right. um, my so, first but... daughter. So I think that's kind of what drew me back into my faith. Okay, but it, but it so it's not like you were antagonistic to the faith or anything like that. You just it was just wasn't a priority in your life. Exactly. Um, okay, yeah, that that's interesting. It happens to a lot of people. As a deacon, I, I love doing baptisms, and you know it's like you 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 you, you they get married and then you don't see them <laughs> until they want to <laughs> baptize their child, and then at that time they start thinking, you know, and then you start seeing them a little more sometimes. Yeah, um, interesting. Now now. I, so would you say that something changed even in your songwriting that's more than just the things you were writing about? How do you go about to write a song? Is it a, is it a prayerful experience for you? Or? Well, normally, um, you know, as, as a songwriter, and as many probably experience, um, you have ideas that are kind of sitting around and then eventually become songs. But for me, um, there's topics that, that I, I think of, and I think of like John 13, 34, when I was thinking of my song, under the sun, you know, uh-huh. God said, love one another as I have loved you. Um, so I thought, you know, the topic, love, and I thought, God, you know, calls us to love one another. And so that's, you know, I think spiritually and biblically, you know, um, topics kind of just come to me. And and this was one that, you know, kind of sat on my heart for a long time. You know, how do I write a song telling folks to, to trust God and to, um, to love one another? And, um, you know, let God be God. Right. And let his will be done. Right. Um, and that's kind of what the song Under the Sun is about. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's similar to that of the song Daylight that I'd written as well. Right. Um, very similar. It's about a new beginnings. Um, that song talks about starting over, um, you know, capturing your faith and, and growing in your faith and, and learning from your past experiences. Yeah, that's right. Day- Daylight we heard at the beginning of the show, and, and I'm going to play Under the Sun when we're done here. But... Um, but these are not songs that you'd say. I mean, they're not like songs that you can sing at church. They're songs that people can listen to on the radio or listen to the yep. CD in the car. So would you say that, do you still see what you do as ministry? Um, I certainly do. Um, you know, I, I have opportunities to play secular venues um, where I think when people hear my songs, um, they're touched spiritually. Um, just like you heard at the top of the show, yeah. um, my song, You're Still Alive, yes. um, was about a, a friend of mine that had passed away. And it um, at a very young age, and it gave me the opportunity to evaluate my own life and say, "Hey, you know, you have this opportunity to live a faith-filled life. Um, this is your chance. Um, seize that moment, carpe diem, um, that type of thing." Right. Um, so certainly, I think I have the chance to minister to people, especially in these coffee houses and secular venues. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great gift because y- y- you know if you have the opportunity to be playing at a secular venue. 
and where people are going just to have a drink or whatever and right. and they can hear your music rather than sort of being segregated to a place where only Christians or Catholics or whoever are looking for a specific type of music i think that's a great uh it's a great opportunity but it's also a big responsibility <laughs> i mean that talk about the new evangelization do you see yourself as a christian artist then like if you were to be labeled um you know i i, I don't all the time like i of course am a christian who follows jesus christ and a catholic um putting labels on myself it, it's a difficult thing um because i want people to feel god's love and not just say okay, here's another Christian artist or a Catholic artist. Um, I know what they're going to talk about um, when right. they sing or that what the topic is. I want them to experience God's fullness um, in, in my performance or my show um, without any pretenses, um, right. without knowing, hey, you know, I know what I'm going to get in this performance, you know? Right. Okay. Um, so I think that that comes through in the songs, uh-huh. um, and I think that's what works. Definitely. Now, so, so Under the Sun is your second album, correct? Your second, yes, yeah. Uh, yes, second album as a yeah I'd say as a Christian, Christian, yeah, as a Christian a spiritual artist. So, anything I've, else coming down the pipes? Actually, yeah, I'm uh, in the process of working on some new songs now. I've got six new songs written. Um, been working with a, a Christian um, artist down in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, a guy named Paul Coleman from the Paul Coleman Trio. Yeah. They were a pretty big Christian band, I'd say, in the um, in the early you know 2000, late 90s. Uh, so I've been writing some songs with him. So oh, I'm hoping to, to put out some new material good, cause real this, soon. Because w- the song we just heard, You're Still Alive, that's not from Under the Sun, right? That's a, a that's from my last record, oh, Where I Am, yeah. um, which I would say is really my first uh, venture into you know full Christian experience record. Okay, good. So there's people can look forward to, to, to hearing more about you soon. Coming Absolutely. soon, okay, Joe. That's all the time we have, but it's been it's been really good meeting you and uh, and getting to know you today, and and hearing your music. Definitely, we love playing it on Salt and Light Radio. Well, I appreciate it greatly. You can learn all about Joe Morales and how to purchase his music at his website, joemorales.com. And I'm going to put that link on our site so people can find it easily. But just note, it's Morales, M-I-R-A-L-L-E-S, Morales. Um, um, <laughs> He's also on Twitter and, uh, and on Facebook, so look him up. Here now is Joe with the title track of his album, Under the Sun. You light up the darkness I'm never gonna question why it to myself why should I all my pain is gone I'm never gonna question why can't keep it to myself myself and I gotta spread the love under Start to hate 
the dead I'm never gonna question why Couldn't keep it to We're listening to Joe Morales with Under the Sun from his album of the same name. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can now listen to uninterrupted music all day long on Salt and Light Radio. Christian music like never before thanks to the wonderful support from artists like Joe Morales. So go to our website and learn how you can listen to online or on the go on your mobile devices. And uh, we actually heard from one of our listeners recently, Dave wrote yesterday and he said Salt and Light Radio is cool. That was his uh, subject line. So thanks Dave. And uh, if you want to be entered in our weekly draw, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio and stay connected with us. All we need is your name and email address. Next week, we're going to be giving away a copy of Joe Morales' Under the Sun. You can also write nice things about us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash slradio1. Share our posts, post your own comments, invite your friends to like us and like our page. And that's how it's done. And while you're there, also visit me on Facebook, Deacon Pedro, or follow me on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. This program is completely free, thanks to donations. So thank you for considering us when you make your charitable contributions. And thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. No man knows when the hour will come. When they